the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It is your favorite time of the week. It is our favorite time of the week. It is time for your week 10 locks. I'm joined, as always, by Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. Gentlemen, how are we doing? I'm cold. Wow. Wow. (laughs) As we record this, it is snowing outside in Chicago. Is it really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm in my basement office in a hoodie with the hood up, trying to stay warm. But that's a that's probably like a good sign for your picks this week, right? Like, aren't don't you aren't, don't you sort of operate best in sleeved weather? Oh yeah, we're ready to go undefeated. <laughs> yeah. See, Figured. it's uh, it's the opposite. I've already I I don't really have a costume on. But I guess the costume on that I'm, I'm wearing so far at this point is we're recording about 9 a.m. Eastern time in uh, it, for the for the podcast on October 31st is is homeowner because we've got some gnarly like 80 degree weather with 15 mile an hour winds uh, coming through North Carolina right now. So I woke up and I was moving tree branches off the front porch. We got we got some some like the last little gasp of like September weather coming through. Need to order you a pair of monarchs so you can wear them while you're doing yard work. I've got yard shoes, and just like any self-respecting washed person, it's the same pair as the current tennis shoes, just older. Yep. Oh. <laughs> that's the that's move. A, that's so dad. Yeah. So, <laughs> Dude, oh, I have I have a pair of monarchs that I wear, you know, the the knock around shoes to go do crap in. And I have a box of monarchs about 15 feet to my left over here that are unopened yet (laughs) they're the next ones that's so prepared um (laughs) all right so for the for the purposes of pacing before we jump into our uh our recap of week nine or it's a it's a lighter slate but are we lighter on the locks uh slightly i have nine but i'm open to more (laughs) okay that's standard issue (laughs) I'm. I mean, what I'm saying is, you know, I could, I could be swayed. Okay. What about you, Barton? I, I have, I have no idea where this, this pod is going to go for me. Man, truly, I've got, like, this is. I feel like this is such a weird week. Um, I've, I've oscillated between three to like twenty, and <laughs> I, I really don't even have a game plan for. Like, I'm, there might be some him and Holland. You know, it might be some for the slow talker, slow thinker of the pod. Uh, there may be some extra slow talking and slow thinking. So just be prepared here. I'm, 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 I'm working through this as we go. So you, you might defer on certain games and just, just try to let everybody say their piece before you make right. your final ruling. Exactly. I like yeah. it. 
to speak to Barton's point about how weird this slate is, I have three favorites and only two underdogs. I, I think that this, you know, what was was last week the week of the underdog for you? Uh, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I, I don't know that I don't know that there will be an underdog that hits all week long. I think this is all favorites. I mean, there are far more favorites I like this week than underdogs. Yes, I I I I, I understand that sense. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's review last week. Uh, it was for the entire group a sixteen and thirteen week. We were up, and Woo! Uh, and it was led by me. Uh, I finished with a six and three week. And the wins were Tennessee plus four and a half, Ohio State minus 14. That is a lock. Unity that hit. So right now, our lock unity on the season is five and two. So when you hear Latifah, you know what to do. Uh, mm-hmm. A lock fight win with Michigan Notre Dame against Barton. That I felt triumphant with that one. Uh, Michigan State. That was a bad, 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 bad loss. Uh, but we got the unders and it was windy and Laramie under forty three and a half. Wyoming Nevada that cashes. TCU gets it done. That was a lock agreement with Barton. Uh, Arizona State got thumped. Temple got thumped. And then the under fifty two in App State. South Alabama caches. So six and three on the week. That brings me to 35 and 42 on the season. Triumphant for the moment, but sobering to see that. Uh, Tom, you were in coming up just behind me, half game, six and four on the week. In addition to the lock unity and a lock agreement with the unders and Laramie, it, it's just a, a flurry of wins. Indiana plus two at Nebraska, the under 63 and a half in Oklahoma State, Iowa State, uh, Miami plus six, Miami getting it done on the field, and then the under 61 in Ohio Ball State. The only losses were the fight in Spavitals, which I'm, are we, are we off Spav? Like we've been, no. Okay. No. All right. All right. The, the, not going to, not going to jump ship just yet. Uh, we are jumping ship off Utah State, though, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if we can go back to that one. Uh, and then uh, Memphis minus 10.5. That was a loss. That game was much closer than expected. Also, LSU minus 10. LSU won 23-20. 6-4 four for the week. 41-45 and 45 for the season. Barton. Four and five. Even I mean, even when the man is having a down week, he's still close to 500. But he did take that L in the lock fight. Uh, losses also for Arizona Pickham, ECU plus two and a half against South Florida. ECU couldn't get it done for us. Uh, Missouri minus 10 and a half, also a loss. And then the under in Tennessee, South Carolina as Tennessee just ran it, uh, all over the place in that game. The wins TCU plus one and a half, the over 63 in USC, Colorado. And then, uh, we have spent all week celebrating Kansas state plus 24 and a half in the money line sprinkle. So four and five for the week. 44, 29, and 4 overall for the season, up 15 units. Tom, up four, down 4 units, Chip, down 7 units. Uh, any any lessons that we learned? Don't bet Utah State anymore. Don't bet Missouri on the road ever again. <laughs> ever again. Okay. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Uh, are we ready to lock it up? Yep. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming 
get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point every cover. All right, I, I guess that I've got the honors on the tee box. It's very surprising. I'm I'm not used to stepping up first, but hey, I got a birdie on the last hole, and so uh, I guess now I got to take a take the first crack at the fairway. So I'm gonna you know waste no time whatsoever. Uh, I'm gonna take us out to Southern California. I'm gonna take us to Oregon, USC. Oh, quickly, do we have any Thursday night Halloween night plays? Baylor, West Virginia, and App State, Georgia Southern. No. Yes. Yes. Oh. <clears throat> yes. Okay. I will. I will. I will seed. I will seed my time before we get into Oregon, USC, uh, so that we can go ahead and get the the Thursday winners out there. Take us. Thir- if Thursday night play is Baylor minus seventeen and a half, I believe was the number last check. It's Baylor it's eighteen and a half now. It's oh, all the way up to eighteen and a half. Yikes! Yeah. So apparently the world agrees. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, okay. You know what? Screw it. Let's do it. So Baylor, 18 and a half. I, look, this is a, <clears throat> this is a balanced team. They're coming off of a bye week. This is Halloween at home. This is a showcase opportunity. Uh, and this is sort of the, I, I feel like Baylor has found some, uh, I, I don't know, uh, confidence may be the wrong word, but I, I feel like it's hitting its stride, I guess. And I think this is the sort of the beginning of the second half of the season. So it's almost like a, a home opener in a way with this with this newly confident, um, newly uh, you know team playing like kind of the favorite role all of a sudden. And I and I like the spot. I like I like it. I like a home game at night uh, on a week night on Halloween. The students, the fans will be in, uh, engaged, and I think this will be a team that is uh, just has more firepower than West Virginia can handle. So I think it's a blowout. I, I will not be jumping on board with you, and uh, the, the only reasons why I would be nervous is uh, for reasons that have nothing to do with football, so I would not encourage uh, any – you know, lock. I would not call any of this locks. We, we only want confident picks out here. And I'm just saying we've got an undefeated team coming off a bye, playing on a Thursday night on Halloween. Okay. We'll see. I mean, right. you know, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, hey, look, and, and if it was, if this was on the road, then, then, you know, this would be my money line pick the other way. Uh, but I just, I, I feel like, something about this game being at home off the bye uh with the west virginia team that let's see what what do they what do they got going on they've so they're off a bye too but they've you know iowa state blew them out oklahoma blew them out uh a a depleted texas handled them i I just think this west virginia team is is starting to, to tail it's it's the it's the crowd shots of the sad students in costume that I'm worried about right here. <laughs> like, like the Fred and Wilma Flintstone with appalled faces after the fumble. I think Baylor wins the game. Like, I, like you're right. Like, West Virginia is not going into this spot and pulling the straight-up upset. Matt Rule's too good. That coaching staff's too good. This team is too solid, at least in terms of their uh, just sort of their efficiency and, and the way they go about their business. But uh, 
undefeated team on Halloween. I express I I'm impressed with your gumption uh, just, right here. Just two sad dudes dressed as Princess and Toad from Mario Brothers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be watching. Um, all right, so I'm going to take us to uh, Saturday night, Saturday afternoon out in Los Angeles. We've got the Oregon Ducks coming in, top ten team, chance for. Uh, you know, some kind of another circle the wagons moment for Clay Helton. I, I, I look at this game and I try and throw out all of the extraneous things. I see one team that's really banged up uh, in USC. I see a team that's getting healthier in Oregon. And I think that in a, a moment that really can be a true, like, it's, it's not a pass the torch moment because USC's never really been the power of the Pac-12, but I think the the role of top of the mountain is kind of up for grabs. We've already got a couple of losses for Washington, so they're not going to be the team to do it. Oregon's probably going to win the division, even if it were to lose this game or even if it were to lose to Arizona State just because of the way it's been taking care of business and division play. So I feel like this is a kind of kind of a big potentially thematic type win uh, for Oregon where they're able to go into USC, go into the Coliseum where, where Utah went and lost and then Oregon can go and get that win. Like the, the look ahead spot, the sandwich spot has already happened and they were able to escape with the victory. And so I think that uh, with a short number right here under a touchdown, I'm, I'm going to feel pretty comfortable laying it with a great defense and uh, in any really solid Oregon squad. So what spread did you get it at? Let's see. What are we looking at right now? I mean, there's it's mostly four and a half. There's some fives out there, but there's four and a halfs everywhere too. Yeah, I'll take four and a half. Cool. What about you, Tom? Are you on this lock agreement? Ooh, yay! I I just look at this matchup and it's you know I'm always scared of trusting Mario Cristobal in these kind of situations and he gave us another reason last week to be scared when he was punting from the Washington State 33 in the fourth quarter up a score and giving Washington State a chance to come and win the game which it almost did. I think this one's kind of Mario proof. I look at this as a USC defense that has had problems stopping the run all season long as it is, and it's still a banged up USC defense, which will be going against a very good Oregon offensive line. I think that this is, I think Mario's going to be able to play the kind of game he wants to play where he's, Justin Herbert's going to be okay. You know, he's going to, he's going to get his numbers, but I think that Oregon's just going to be able to out physical USC, which is what Mario Cristobal loves to do to opponents. And I think he's going to have his chance to do that for 60 minutes in this game because I don't think USC's defense can hold up. And on the flip side, Graham Harrell is USC's offensive coordinator. He is a student of Mike Leach. He played for Mike Leach at Texas Tech. His offense is based on Mike Leach's offense. Well, guess what offense Oregon just saw last week and is now going on two weeks of preparing for? Mike Leach's offense, the air raid offense. So it's not like this is anything new for the Ducks. They've been preparing for it for two weeks. They're going to be ready. The defense played well last week. It'll play better this week. And if you just look at USC, man, I mean, in the last 32 games overall, which is all Clay Helton, they are 10-21-1 against the spread. If you look at them, in their last 61 games following a win, they are 1941-1 against the spread. Yo! <laughs> that is like, wow. Exactly. So I just... 
don't think USC is going to win this game. I don't think they're going to cover. I think Oregon is just better. I think that overall talent wise, USC is you know on a par, or slightly better than Oregon. It's just with the injuries, I don't think the Trojans have the depth to keep up with them for sixty minutes here. I, I like the Ducks. Uh, hey guys, did you see uh, this week Brett McMurphy's? Um, story or not story but he polled every college football head coach and commissioner yes. on their favorite musician i didn't yes. read it but i saw that it exists yes yeah okay um clay helton's favorite musician is ed sheeran mm. okay. god help us mario cristobal's favorite musician guns and roses <laughs> <laughs> Give me the ducks. Unite the clan. (laughs) Oh, man. I just imagine him at four in the morning starting Appetite for Destruction from the very beginning. (laughs) Track one, Welcome to the Jungle, stares in the eyes of his family and goes, you're going to (laughs) die. (laughs) <laughs> We're gonna bring you to your. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just that's this that's what a, what a perfect representation of these two coaches. Just a pleasant, nice old guy, Clay Helton, just trying to get by in this big old world, and then just Mario Cristobal, <laughs> just just smashing everything in his path. I am with you guys. You said it. Uh, look, this is a. I mean. If this game gets close, then sure, I'll be sweating it a little bit. But I think there's a very real possibility that this is just a this is just one of those moments that uh, a USC team that's been held together by bubble gum just sort of starts to fall apart and just can't keep up in this game and and, and Oregon rolls. So uh, I feel good about Queen Latifah on this one. Okay, and a crystal ball uh, rolling is is thirty one to six, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we'll we'll see. I don't. I'm not giving out a, a total play there. Um, but oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. But uh, but we'll see. I think Oregon is the safest play. But if you wanted to, if if you're feeling frisky late in the day and you want to jump on an under, that is not a lock. Stick with the lock unity, which is five and two on the season right now. But um, that defense should should be able to keep everything in check. All right. Well, uh, everybody's on the board. I'll throw this then uh, to Tom. Uh, For my next lock, I guess we might as well start with one of the big games of the week. The ABC primetime night game between Mm. two American Athletic Conference ranked squads. I'm taking Memphis for the second week in a row. Minus five and a half versus SMU. Uh, to me, this boils down to SMU is undefeated, but if you look at the underlying metrics in the advanced stats, it shows that you know their their overall play probably isn't as good as their record would suggest. Not to say that they've you know gotten lucky to be eight. No, they've they've won their eight games. They're just not as stalwart as you typically expect an undefeated team at the end of October, early be- you know the start of November to be. And honestly, if you compare them side by side, just statistically with Memphis. Memphis is a little too, you know, moderately better in just about every single major category that you look at. And 
I know that Memphis, you know, wasn't able to cover last week against Tulsa, and that game was closer than I thought. But as I said when I made the pick, my only fear was that maybe Memphis is kind of, you know, caught looking ahead to this game, and I think that played a role in what happened, particularly on offense. Where I don't think they were as aggressive as we're typically used to seeing Memphis being, especially in the second half. And I look at SMU while its defensive numbers overall aren't horrible, it has had problems you know, containing explosive plays. And there's not very many offenses in the country who are better at creating explosive plays than the Memphis offense. I mean, it's pretty much what their identity is in offense. It's what they're looking to do. They're not trying to put together, you know, 10, 11 play drives. They would love to score in three plays if they can, particularly on the ground game. And I think that is going to be a problem for SMU. So when I look at all that, and I look at the situation where, you know, game day is coming to Memphis. When was the last time game day was ever at the Liberty Bowl for a Memphis Tigers game? So this is going to be a packed environment. I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere at the Liberty Bowl, something we haven't seen in a very long time. And I think that's going to play into the home team getting the best of SMU. And also, this is that time of the year, man, where SMU may be undefeated, but a lot of these undefeated teams that aren't the real you know, national title contenders tend to start falling at this time of year. So I think the Mustangs are you know, due for their first loss of the season, and I think it's going to be on Saturday night against Memphis. Yeah, I, I don't think SMU goes undefeated this year, um, but I, I, I was a little bit surprised to see, as you mentioned, like all the – analytics and advanced stats point to Memphis here, but I'm, I'm just surprised by that because when you just look at their schedules and results, SMU has a, a fairly non-fluky win against TCU. Mm-hmm. S- SMU has a similar result to Tulsa. They SMU blew out Temple, uh, a team Memphis lost to. Uh, you know, last week, SMU beat up uh, sort of a game Houston team, same weekend Memphis beat up game Tulsa team. I, I mean, I just think the, from a result standpoint, you could you could read this as SMU is better uh, just based on sort of parsing out a style of victory, margin of victory. What what it, What is it? What, what are the advanced metrics telling us? Like, is it just, uh, like you said, is it just about, you know, piece by piece when you actually compare – the, yeah. The, when you look like, I mean, just for the numbers I use in my own ratings too, like if you look at yards per play efficiency and then points per play and red zone efficiency and all that kind of stuff, Memphis is just a little bit better on both sides of the ball than SMU and all those areas. And one thing I also forgot to mention, Reggie Roberson, one of you know SMU's top receivers, his status is considered day-to-day. They're not really sure he's going to play. I, I've heard that he's probably not going to play, and I think that has a big impact on the SMU offense as well. SMU is outside of the top 50 nationally in yards per play on offense. They're inside the top 10 in total yards, and mm-hmm. they're one of the they're fastest not an efficient teams, offense. but they are not an efficient offense. So, but, so it's a big play offense. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, can, they can hit the long ball. Yeah, and I think uh, if Roberson doesn't play, that impacts their ability to do it. Yeah, I'm staying away. I, I feel like that's probably the right side, but for some reason Memphis I've, I've kind of lost a little trust in Memphis to uh to 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 do what I expect them to do week in week out uh, but I feel like you're probably on the right side I yeah I'm I'm a, I'm gonna sit this one out but my expert picks and uh and anytime I've been asked about it on CBS Sports HQ I'm taking Memphis and laying the points 
So uh, I I will I will root for you and I will I will support that pick. But man, five and a half. Like you're right. Yeah, I I don't know if we should trust SMU to be acting like an undefeated behemoth. But if this game is tight and back and forth, I don't know if I totally trust Memphis to be like the close it out team either. So it could get could get a little. Uh, and the total here is at seventy. I kind of want to take the under, but I'm I'm yeah. also staying away from that because I'm just if this gets close and late and a little back and forth, it is very possible this thing gets uh, a little shootouty in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it. it this is either going to be a. I mean, if it goes over, it's it. Like, there's. It's very easy to envision a wild game. I just don't want to predict the wild game. Yeah, I got the score in my column at thirty-eight, thirty-one. Mm, good. Good numbers. Good numbers. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Barton. Back to you. Um. Let's see. Do you do you want to go? I'll oh. go. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, you go. I'm still figuring out something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, I will be taking us then to South Bend, Indiana. We've got a Notre Dame team. A lot of consternation around uh, around the Irish right now. A lot of consternation around the play of Ian Book after one of the worst games of his career as a starting quarterback. Virginia Tech's coming into town. The Irish are a big old 17-and-a-half-point favorite against a, a Hokies team that has been uh, a little bit... Like, their record is 5-2, and two, but anyone who has watched every minute of the, their, the Hokies this year would be like, I don't think that's a 5-2 and two team. And uh, all as confounding as anything else about the Hokies' profile is that season-opening loss to Boston College, uh, a team that is fighting for even being able to get into a bowl game. So Virginia Tech, somehow, at this point in the season, is going to be walking into November, a half game out of the ACC Coastal Race, uh, sitting at 5-2. and two. They're going to Notre Dame, and uh, and, and maybe, maybe they're going to try and get a little spunky. But the one thing I think that, uh, even if Bud Foster has this defense playing way above its head, uh, the one thing that I don't think, Virginia Tech is going to be able to do against Notre Dame is going to be move the ball very much. And so uh, I am going to be taking the under and I'm getting it either at 58 and a half or 59. Yeah, I'll take it at, uh, I'll take it at 58. Uh, I will take the under 58 in Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. I see this as a game where Notre Dame probably wants to have a, have a little bit of a get right and the get right for the 2019 fighting Irish, unless you're playing like, Bowling Green ain't going to be, you know, throwing up a 40 or 50 on the board. It's going to be way more about limiting the amount of points that your opponent scores. And so I see the the Notre Dame defense actually being the most impactful portion in this game and sort of leading us and guiding us to our under so that Virginia Tech scores, let's say, you know, 14 points or less. And then, uh, and then, you know, we're probably going to get like, you know, 28 to 31 from, from Notre Dame in a game that they, they should be able to control all the way. That way I'm not sweating our 17 and a half. Uh, and, um, I'm able to just rely on the best unit on the field, which I think might be that Notre Dame defense. So I will be going the under in under 58 in Notre Dame, Virginia tech. That makes sense. The under is seven and three in Notre Dame's last 10. So 
Yeah, I, I, as you were starting that preamble, I thought you were going Notre Dame, and I was like, whoa, this is a ballsy pick here uh, after what we saw from Notre Dame. But I, you circled into the under, which I think is makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement there. This is sensible. All right, do, do you want me to go ahead and lay out my next pick too, or are you ready? I can go. Okay. I can go. Um, let's, let's counteract that under with a with a points play with an over okay let's go into ew gross the, the pack 12 <laughs> let's go into the pack 12 um and let's look at two of the worst defenses in all of college football statistically speaking um in terms of yards per play did you guys know what Colorado is ranked in, in yards per play defense? One sixteen. No. Oh, that's was it, is is that what it is in your number? <laughs> Did you just throw out your rankings, Tom? No, uh, I was just kind of blind guessing. I, no, I, have I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the blind guess because you know you could have looked it up quickly, but no, the blind guess was that that gives you an idea of of what's like a bad expectation. They're one hundred and twenty ninth. Mm. Out of 130 teams, worse than Bowling Green now in yards per play on defense. And I know they're playing the Pac-12 where you can score some points and whatever, but the only team worse than Colorado defensively is UMass. The only team, the one team better, one spot above, is Bowling Green. And guess what? UCLA isn't that much better. UCLA is 120th. These are two bad defenses. And Colorado's strikingly bad. Do you guys remember uh, the last two coaching hiring cycles where the the narrative was constantly, you know, uh, Mel Tucker didn't get this job, but, man, he sure did put together a good interview. Man, there's a – man, people think highly of Mel Tucker. He's a great interview. And, and then I, I saw this week um, coming out of – before that game against USC – Lewis Riddick was the you know the color guy, and he tweeted before the game something about like, man, we just got done sitting with Mel Tucker. This guy is a stud, amazing coach. What sweet sex is he whispering in these people's ears <laughs> to make them love him so much? And he might be a great like I don't like what he's a he clearly knows what he's doing. He's been around the block, and and he's a likable guy, and and in this press conferences and all that. But they're hundred, they're, they're the worst defense in the country statistically. Well, I mean, congrats on the interviews, but and the and the face to faces, but this defense is bad. So I think UCLA is starting to get some confidence. I think Colorado, you know, offensively, Stephen Montez seemed to shake off the the Chuck Knobloch uh, sort of mind block that he'd had going the last few weeks and played decent last week you know Colorado probably should have won that that game probably has them uh, a, a little bit shook but I think they'll still be able to score points so the number I saw was 64 and a half let's let's play uh, let's play the over have a little fun should you should here's an experiment ask Bears fans Chicago Bears fans what they think of Mel Tucker as a defensive coordinator um I, this will help you play a little bit too. In in my net points per play, which is exactly what it sounds like, offensive points per play minus defensive points per play, 
Colorado ranks 109th. UCLA ranks 107th. So, yeah, not very explosive, and gives up the explosives. Uh huh. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a good recipe for an over. Yeah. Hiring can be a slow process, and uh, and pretty much everyone knows that. But you know who really knows it? Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz. He needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. And ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So that way, you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter, and he said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so that he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. And with results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash cover. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash cover, like Cover 3, the name of the podcast, C-O-V-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash cover. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, I'm going to be uh, I'm, I'm going to be finding a quali- quality candidate for a winner right here, and it's... Uh, and it's just going to be a, a little bit of a, a system play. I don't, I don't understand why we haven't gotten to it yet, because uh, because we're going to be on the mothership, the CBS Sports Network. We're going to be tuning in at three thirty. We're going to be uh, we 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 got a we got a couple service academies going up against <laughs> each other. And Tom, Tom, what do we do when uh, when when we, we take do, the under? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. When we get service academies playing each other, we blind take the under. Now it's sitting right on the Service Academy special of uh, opened at forty five, sort of. I guess it's at forty five and a half right now. So key numbers, mm-hmm. you know. I'll, I will go ahead and I will lock in my under at under forty five and a half. But uh, the only the only nerves here, I guess, might be for Army's defense. Uh, but for the most part, I just I, I know the way these games are played. I've got to trust the process. When service academies play each other, the under has been very, very profitable. So why would I let a lock sit on the board untaken? Yeah, there there is the only minor concern I have is that I think the books might have finally caught on or at least started to care. But still, since 2005, when service academies play, the under is 33-9-1. I mean, we've we've gone over it a million times. And it is somewhat scary because earlier this year when Air Force and Navy played, they combined for 59 points, which was a travesty and a, an American tragedy unlike any ever seen before. But I think that we as a nation are going to rebound and find ourselves once again on Saturday when Air Force plays Army. And I think my concern, I think what makes me feel safer about the under here is that I just I just don't know if Army's going to be able to score mm-hmm. on Air Force. So it's like I feel like unless Air Force cracks 40 points itself, I feel like this is pretty safe. Are you locking it up? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, good. So we do have the, uh, the lock agreement. Yeah, no, no, I'm not locking it up. I'm done. Uh, yeah. All right, Barton, back to you. 
Uh, okay. All right. How about, um, I don't know. You want to go again, Chip? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we are going to be going to Lawrence where we've got a Kansas State team coming in after an emotional and powerful and impactful win at home against Oklahoma, taking down the Sooners. Everything that Chris Kleiman's doing is working out. Skylar Thompson looks like Colin Klein, and you're going to – you're going to line him up against a, a feisty Les Miles? I mean, let's look at where this Kansas team is. They put a scare into Texas. Then they actually got the win against Texas Tech. Now, I don't think this is a letdown spot for the Jayhawks. I think this is the game that Les Miles has been building towards against your in-state rival at home. I think that this is just the the full – I I'm not going to uh, – you know, we'll we'll come to moneyline sprinkles later, but uh, this this is just like the the perfect dish for Les Miles to be able to cook up uh, a, a great Jayhawks victory. So as I'm catching the home dog, Kansas plus six, no that that gives me enough opportunity for um, you know all kinds of weirdness if if this score ends up involving missed extra points or a whole lot of field goals. You know, I if if you if you're a little bit scared, maybe you buy the point, but I'm not scared because I think Kansas is getting it done on the field. My lock is Les Miles and the Kansas Jayhawks plus six. Very like interesting. It. You do like it, huh, Tom? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I was, I'm not locking it up, but I like it. Uh, I, I was more on the Kansas State side of this one. I just feel like Kansas plays a little bit of a a zany, less miles-ish style, and Kansas State's more uh, trustworthy, conservative approach could could maybe avoid some of the wildness that that the Kansas games tend to evoke. So I don't know. I'm 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 more on the Kansas State side of this, but but not, not you know certainly. Um, rooting for you there, Chip. I mean, Les Miles played and coached in the SEC before Hugh Freeze and uh, Kevin Sumlin came in and, and ruined what we want football to be. He's seen conservative before. <laughs> yeah, but now he's now now he's bought in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's, tur- he's he's you know he's given up. He's thrown his hands up. Um, but anyways, all right. Well, so my turn. Yeah. All right, let, let's let's stay in the stay in the Pac-12. My third Pac-12 game. I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on this. We'll go for the other showcase game. Uh, Utah, Washington. Uh, let's see. The line is three and a half. Is mm-hmm. that what we're seeing? Yep. Uh, I, it is. It is on the road. Um. So in in from the perspective of Washington, that's a little bit. Cons- or from Utah, rather, that's a little concerning, but I-, I like Utah here, and there is kind of two primary reasons I like Utah. One is while this Washington offensive line has been has been good and it has really uh, protected Eason well, um, and and when he has protection, he's been sharp. The when they haven't 
and when uh, the pass rush has 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 disrupted things, I, I can't get these Jacob Eason like retreat plays out of my head. He just goes backwards. <laughs> he goes it's straight. It's just the straight out of uh, video we game. We talked about this on the pod, like straight out of the video game. Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. just ba- backpedal until you throw it. And I think that with this Utah defensive front, there's going to be a few backpedals going on in this game. I, I think defensively for Washington, this is when you look at, again, just sort of the efficiency and you know how this team stacks up and what we're used to seeing from Washington, you know, if you go yards per play for Washington, this is the 52nd best defense in the country. Um, and that's not, that's not what we're used to seeing out of Washington. And I, and I think that they're missing some of those tackling machines. What was my guy's name? The tackling that had a, a million tackles last year. Um, Ben Burkirvin, Ben Burkirvin, you know, they're missing those kind of guys and, and uh, they'll find them. Um, but, but I, I think this week with a Utah team, that's going to really run the ball effectively. Uh, I, I just like Utah to go on the roads and, and beat a Washington team. I, just, I, don't, I don't think it has it to win these games this year. So a little nervous on the road, um, but you know, I'm playing so I'm playing two Pac-12 road favorites, or road under road favorites rather, yeah. And uh, let's, let's, let's roll the dice. This, this might make you feel a little more comfortable. Since Chris Peterson took over at Washington, they have been an underdog 17 times. They are only 7-10 and 10 against the spread in those situations. But more importantly, to your interests, they've been a home underdog five times under Peterson. They are 1-4 against the spread in those games. There we wow. go. That's, that's the kind of number I like. Now, what concerns me is that we saw Washington play Utah twice last year, and it pretty much dominated Utah twice. So that, to me conflicts with the trend but at the same time kind of like what you're saying this i don't know that this washington team is the same team we saw last year particularly defensively and that's really where washington won those games last season because utah couldn't do anything on offense against them in a couple of those games so i'm not locking anything up but i i i think that your saw your 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 choice is a fine one yeah wasn't the uh pac-12 championship game like 10 to 7 it was it was 10 to 3 it was in I mean, I enjoyed it, but I remember the reaction from everybody watching along on Twitter on that Friday night was most people did not enjoy it. <laughs> a 10 to this is Go ahead, Chip. I was just going to say a 10 to 3 conference championship game that was wrapped up in 2 hours and 57 minutes. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't the most Utah of all Utah Utahs like this year's Utah. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the most Utah, and this is not the most Washington. This, this is, is the rootinest, tootinest, utinest squad yet. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up on the other side, more of our Week 10 locks next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Tom, back to you. Okay, uh, I will go next to, let's see. I'm going to take a team that I locked up last week. And I was actually kind of mad at myself because they were all they were the runner up basically for my lock of the week in the column, but I didn't lock them up. I locked up Memphis instead. And the problem was I talked myself out of it because I knew Miami was better than Pitt. And I knew Miami was going to cover the six against Pitt. But I was too worried about Miami being Miami and looking like a fool. So I talked myself out of it. I'm not doing that again. Miami is a three-point underdog on the road against Florida State. Miami is a better team than Florida State. Its record might not suggest so, but like I said when I took it last week against Pitt on this very podcast, Miami's record isn't really indicative of the team it actually has been. It has been quite unlucky at times, and it shot itself in the foot at times. But overall, it is a much better team than Florida State, and the one area of this matchup that deeply concerns me if I'm the Seminoles is that Florida State offensive line going against the Miami defensive front that is still very good. And in this matchup, I see Miami forcing turnovers. And if Miami is forcing turnovers, Miami is very tough to beat. And also, if I'm Florida State, I'm a bit concerned that Florida State needed to break out gimmicks on offense last week to beat Syracuse at home. If Florida State is going to the gimmick well to beat Syracuse at home, What's it going to be able to do against this Miami defense? My thought is probably not all that much. So I am taking Miami plus three, and I am taking Miami straight up on the money line. The Canes are my money line sprinkle this week at plus 140. Interesting. So the I, I, I think that is a good explanation. Because I have been tempted to go with Florida State here. Just because, again, this is one of those deals where you just look at what Florida State's done this year, and it's catching a lot of flack right now for being a disappointing team when its only losses are a tough one to Boise State that it gave away in the end in the first game of Kendall Bryles' tenure a one-possession game to Virginia, who's a very solid team, on the road at night, a Clemson, and a two-point loss at a good Wake Forest team. So when you and, – and it has blown out NC State. It has won by two scores against a good Louisville team, and it has blown out Syracuse. So I just think from a resume standpoint – this this Florida like I'm tempted to take Florida State, but this is another one that all of the this is a, a favorite of the the analytics and the advanced stats that, that says Miami is the better team, and I could, can't quite figure it out. I think I think you give a compelling argument that uh, based on the line of scrimmage, based on 
what Florida the, the gimmick the gimmick route Florida State's had to go to. I, you know, I, I'm I, I see it a little better after that. Uh, but I, that that's all that's done to scare me away is from taking Florida State, not not taking Miami. Boo. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be locking up Florida state, but I'm a total hypocrite because I criticize Auburn in one breath. And I tell you that I love the wild cam in the other, <laughs> like love the cam love, love Willie coming out this week. He's like, yeah, well it was working. So I think we might go back to it. You know, like I, I think that, uh, just, just a full surrender to understanding that Cam Akers is the most impactful offensive player and putting the ball in his hands as much as possible. I'm a, Big big fan of it. So uh, I'm I'm just gonna say that answers to the my, which Florida school is most likely to win the conference first, and now you're you're hypocrite between Auburn and Florida State. I think that somebody needs a Florida State shirt from Fanatics here. Soon. <laughs> I think we got ourselves a little Knowles fan. Barton, what do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, bring it on, man. Hey, growing up as a uh, as a as an ACC in ACC country in the '90s, we would just watch Florida State win and then get ready for basketball season. That's just kind of <laughs> what we did in the Triangle. I mean, this is a this is a time in the Florida State's uh, history where they, you know it's a rare occasion where they could use a couple more fans. So let's let's help their e-commerce out a little bit. All right. Um, Tom, I said that was Tom on Miami. All right. I am going to uh, I'm gonna have to lay this one down for uh, for everybody. Y'all hear those wolves howling? Yes. Do y'all hear a whole pack of wolves howling? Yes. Have you ever looked around BB&T Field in Winston-Salem, uh, the home of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, and seen what happens when NC State comes to town? Because when all your alumni are outside of the state, it's a lot of tickets available for NC State fans in the triad area. Boy, you should not be laying seven in a hook with Wake Forest in a game like this. No, 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 no. We will be locking up NC State plus seven and a half against Wake Forest. Lock agreement. Oh, you know, Chip, you called BB&T Field the home of Wake Forest, but we know if I had my way, the home of Wake Forest would be the American Athletic Conference <laughs> because it's a tiny little private school that's got no business being in the ACC. No, I'm just kidding. Please don't yell at me, Wake Forest fans. But no, I like NC State here, the, especially with that hook. Wake Forest, again, in a situation where I feel like whenever anybody is behind Wake Forest and when people are believing in Wake Forest, I feel like that is always the time to fade Wake Forest. And that's precisely what I'm doing here. I think the Deeks are going to win. But I am not trusting them to cover seven and a half in this spot. I think that NC State's going to be a little. It's going to have a little more than most people want to give it credit for here. Uh, yeah, you guys can have it. Oh man, dang! I'm not going to defend your beloved. You're not going to defend the private school. Come on. Uh, no, I'm, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to defend the Deeks here. Um, I, 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 I stood up for them. I got a black eye on them in the last pod. Uh, you guys can have this one. Uh, uh, Barton just said Wake Forest is wannabe Ivy. He's not going to go that far for him. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, they never offered me out of high school, so uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have. I'm not going to go that far with them. Um, so, in fact, why, why don't as you guys are uh, fading the fading the private schools, I'm gonna I'm gonna go big public too. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna jump on big public here, and this is I mean this is public versus public. So, but I I'm gonna go Vols. In a week of the favorites, I'm gonna go Vols. Uh, lay in what do we got? Eleven. Eleven and a half. Eleven and a half. You know this is I, I do I really think they've turned the corner a little bit, Tennessee. I really do. I, I think I don't think this is the same UAB team that is the darling of the Group of Five. I think that this Tennessee team is the leadership is starting to come through the they've they've figured out who their playmakers are and how to get in the ball who like what parts of the game plan they need to just avoid the the defense has got young guys that are stepping up and like there there's a there's this convergence right now on Tennessee's roster I think of some upperclassmen starting to really play like upperclassmen leaders, like Jawan Jennings on offense, like Daryl Taylor on defense, and then the underclassmen growing up. Uh, and I think combined just feels like this is a team that beats UAB by two touchdowns. That's kind of scary. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. I think you're on the right side. I don't know why. You, I don't know what. I don't know why UAB is even. Uh, this isn't last year's UAB team. I think I think right. this is way too uh, short of a line. Hey, Barton. Yeah. Lock agreement. All right. All right. When, when I get a lock agreement from Tom on a favorite, yeah, that's a good day. Well, let's I mean, uh, for the purposes of the audience, let's review those Tom Barton lock agreements. They are <laughs> zero and four. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chip. Thanks. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, listen, you're right. The spread is way too small for this matchup. UAB is 6-1 and one on the season and 5-2 and two against the spread. Good for it. But you know when they talk about how teams haven't played nobody? UAB is the prime example of a team that ain't played nobody. This is who the Blazers have played so far this season. They opened the season with a win over Elkhorn State. They beat Akron. They beat South Alabama. They lost to Western Kentucky. They beat Rice. They beat UTSA. They beat Old Dominion. The combined record of the FBS teams that UAB has beaten is 10 and 37. Mm. I have a strength of schedule metric that I use in my rating system. It's internal. It's only based on how teams rate inside my rating system. UAB schedule ranks 130th in the country, and it is not close to 129th. There is a wide gap between them and the 129th schedule. Tennessee, on the other hand, ranks 24th. The Vols, as you said, they've been playing better. They enter this game having covered in three straight, and I think that they are the much better team now than they were at the start of the season. This is not going to be a repeat of Tennessee at home against Georgia State. The Vols, I think that Georgia State game probably helps them even more because now there's, you know, there might have been a chance that maybe they get caught looking past UAB in this spot if that Georgia State loss doesn't happen. We're not going to see that this week. They're going to make a statement. They're going to win by at least 20. Nice. I'm going to take us to Columbia, South Carolina, where I've got a a Vanderbilt team coming in. 
that's uh, more than a two-touchdown underdog. But then I've got a South Carolina team. That offense, ooh, it's, uh, it's not prolific at the moment. No, no, no. But South Carolina's defense is still pretty solid, and as, you know, whatever whatever wagon circling that I could expect from Vanderbilt probably starts on the probably has to start on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm I'm looking at all the different ways that this game breaks down and, and I'm thinking about how good the South Carolina unders have been to us this season. You know, the kind of game that Will Muschamp and Derek Mason would feel comfortable playing. If we get a flurry of points early, this thing could be in jeopardy. But if we get off to a nice, easy... I mean, we're on the SEC Network 730 SEC East spotlight right here. We know these games are always like 10 to 7 or 17 to 6. So let's go ahead and let's lock up that under 51 in South Carolina Vanderbilt. Full support. Interesting. I I I thought about going South Carolina here. Honestly, uh, on the road for Vandy, I think. Oh man, I'm gonna. I might circle back and throw that log on the fire. But for now, I I've. I'm, I'm a little scared of Vandy, and I'm a little scared of South Carolina. To be honest with you. Oh. So what supports you, Chip, is Vandy the under is 4-0 in their last four games, 6-1 in their last seven conference games. And between these two, the last 12 years, the under is 8-3-1. Mm. I just I, I wonder if I'm just going to sit myself in a pocket where the SEC East 730 SEC Network spotlight game is an auto-fire under. <laughs> the teams that get ignored for all these other spotlight picks – like, no, you're not going to be 3.30 CBS. You're not going to be 7 p.m. ESPN. You're not going to be 12 p.m. ESPN. You're not going to... It's like when, you, when you're when you all the way down there is the fourth or fifth pick game, it might be because they ain't going to be many points. <laughs> I love the principle. <laughs> uh, all right. So on the board, let's go Barton. It's, it's got to be back to you. All right, yeah, I guess I, I guess I gotta go here. Uh, all right, I'm just looking at the looking at the options here. Um, let's go with who's Oregon State playing again? Oh, Arizona. Yes. Yeah. Arizona. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh, no, I don't want to play that yet. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, Tom, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I've got, let's see, what have I put up? You know what I have? I've only got one under on the board so far. I've got three favorites and one dog or two dogs and, and only one under. It's like, who am I? Where have we gone? So for my next pick, we are taking a battle of the elements. That's right. It's wind versus water. It is Tulane, the green wave at home against the golden hurricane of Tulsa. And I'm taking the under 61. Um, the total just seems a little too high here for me. These are two teams that is particularly Tulane runs the ball over 60% of the time that keeps the clock running. That is going to help, you know, limit possessions. And I also think that if you look at the weather report for this game, kids, we've got 
got ourselves a wonder coming. The current forecast at Yulman Stadium in New Orleans calls for 12 to 13 mile an hour crosswinds, which is going to hurt the passing games. And I don't know if you've ever seen Tulane try to throw the ball as it is. Wind ain't going to help much either. And I just think that Tulsa is a good team, but I also think that, you know, they're a 10 point dog in this one. And I feel like once Tulane gets ahead, it's probably going to sit on the ball and just kind of you know let this one finish because Tulane's got bigger and more important games coming up. They've they've lost a couple spots. They can't really afford to keep losing games if they really want to have any kind of shot in the Americans. So I look at this as a game that Tulane's going to get at the lead, and it's going to be a little bit comfortable with it and just tr- try to make sure it gets out of there with the win, which is why I don't want to take them to cover, although I do think that they will. All right. All right. Are you going to defer again, Barton? No, I, I guess I'll play this. Uh, this is in the week of a week where there isn't a, an underdog available. There's not one out there anywhere. <sighs> I'm going with a game that's um, it's a little scary, uh, but the Indiana Hoosiers are hosting Northwestern in the evening. They're laying eleven. And I, I, I mean, Northwestern is, they're tricky. It's a tricky group. They sure do have a way of, of getting these games to stay close. I, but I, I just think Indiana and Kalen DeBoer, who's their, their new offensive coordinator, is, has been a huge addition for this team. They, they know how to find points. Uh, the pass game has been really effective. I think they can get to like 20, 24. And I think that that's enough to cover 11 and a half, to cover 11. Uh, Northwestern, that, I mean, that defense has just got to be, that's got to be hard. I mean, I know it's hard. I've been on a defense like that where, where every time you come off the field, you got to, like, if you're on the punt team, and a lot of defensive guys are, if you're on the punt, you get off the field, you sit there two plays, and then they call a punt team ready. And you sit on the bench for for two plays. You got to get right back up, and you're and you got to get ready for the punt team. And that that wears on you week after week after week. When are you gonna help us out, offense? When are you gonna help us out? And so I think eventually, not that the dam's gonna break and the Indiana goes and wins this game by thirty, but I just think that uh, the offense is not showing any signs that it's gonna come to life. I think that's not enough points. I'm going to go Indiana minus 11. I like Indiana, and uh, I, I think Northwestern is is woeful. So I'm not locking it up, but I support your decisions. Yeah, I, I, I think you're on the right side. I'm just too scared to take Indiana as a double-digit favorite against a Big Ten team. So, <laughs> I mean, I think I think they're going to. It's just I haven't reached the point in my life. Where I'm comfortable taking the Hoosiers as that big of a favorite. Do, does any do you or anyone have a play on Nebraska Purdue? Mm-hmm. I do. Okay, see that's that, I'm interested to hear what you had to say here because like last week, first of all, that was a. Gr- I wish I got with you on Indiana Nebraska. That was the right play. Indiana's a good team. Nebraska's an average team. Uh, I believe that, and yet here we are this week, and Nebraska like. Good grief. Like, surely, surely Nebraska can beat Purdue. Ah. But at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, like, Purdue, this is exactly the type of game 
that Purdue finds a way to win because, you know, everyone's ca- like the. I, I just, what what do you think? What what do you think on this, Tom? Uh, my lock is actually on the total. I'm I'm taking the under because. I don't want to take Nebraska to cover, although I do think that if Nebraska doesn't win and cover this game, then there might be some serious issues <laughs> with that team. Because, I mean, I, I know that Purdue played Illinois in a monsoon last week, but it wasn't just the weather that affected them. Now, granted, as a team that likes to throw the ball a lot, playing in wind and rain is going to be very counterproductive for you and that really did hurt their offense but to me you know it's like they were down to a walk-on QB third string fourth string guy and they're missing Rondale Moore and they're missing so many key parts and on defense they're missing so many key parts so for me I just don't know where Purdue is going to score I don't know what they're going to do because even if the weather you know wasn't even if it's not pouring this weekend, it is still going to be very windy in Ross-Aid Stadium on Saturday. We got 12 to 16 mile an hour winds, which is going to make it more difficult again for a passing offense to move the ball. And it's not even that; it's just the talent level of the guys that are being forced to play at quarterback, a key position. I don't have a ton of faith in, but I wonder if this will be the week that Purdue finally finds something on the ground because Nebraska's defense has been prone to allowing you know teams to run on it. So I'm too scared to take Nebraska as a three-point favorite on the road in this spot, which is a pretty damning statement about Nebraska, considering Illinois just went to Purdue last week in the same spot and you know won pretty soundly. But I do like the under 58 just because, man, I, I don't know where the points are coming from. Would it concern you if you were to find out that Rondell Moore were to play? Because he's he is questionable right now i don't think he's gonna play you're not buying it huh i i mean what's purdue at now what's their record overall i mean i feel like they got two wins i think yeah i don't think that i think they're i mean they can't afford yeah they've got six losses so technically they could still get to a bowl game so maybe rondale moore does come back but i just i don't know that he's 100 percent. i don't know if it's really in purdue's best interest to have him play if he's not at 100 percent um like there was a time when picking Nebraska was cool. Like you know what? I know like, I I I know something here. Yeah, I got I got uh, Nebraska. Scott Frost. Hey, they might have been bad last year, but I know something. And now all of a sudden, like Nebraska is such a non-cool, non-hipster pick, and uh, and yet I think most of the public is still on it, just because. No one trusts Purdue, but this is this is that game that I, you know, I remember like what Scott Frost had some comment last year, uh, talking about you know the the schedule in front of them being games they should win or something like that, and sort of chalking up the Purdue win, and Brom took that clipped it that was bulletin board material and then they kind of rolled over nebraska last year and this feels a little bit like that where everyone's counting purdue out because of the injuries they just lost illinois and i could just see them finding a way to win what what are you getting this total at tom uh 58 and another thing to keep in mind too nebraska's played three road games this year this will be their fourth road game the first three 
They lost to Colorado 34-31 after blowing a huge lead. Second one, they beat Illinois 42-38, to but they also needed 700 yards of offense to beat Illinois by four points because they turned the ball over four times, and I felt like Illinois lost that game more than Nebraska wanted. And the third time they went on the road was to Minnesota where they got blowed out 34-7. to So this is a team that is definitely much better at home than it is on the road, even though people, Nebraska fans will tell you, it's not that great at home either. So I don't know if you guys saw that column from Dirk Chatelaine yesterday where it was, it's a somber mood in Lincoln right now about the state of Nebraska football and not just for this season, I mean overall. So yeah, again, I have a hard time trusting it, but I, I don't think there will be a ton of points in this game. So we haven't, no one clearly has a lock on the SEC on CBS Game of the Week, uh, Florida and Georgia and Jacksonville. Correct. Yeah. I do have a pick in my column because it's the biggest game of the weekend, but I don't have anything I want to lock up. Under, if you want to play it, I would endorse. I think Mm -hmm. Georgia wins, but I don't feel confident that they'd be able to cover six and a half. Uh, If you take Florida plus the six and a half, I mean, just underdog in a rivalry game, uh, I, I wouldn't yell at you for that one either, but, uh, but yeah, there's a reason why we've had, you know, nearly 70 minutes of recording go by and no one's thrown it out there. It's cause it's, it is far from a lock, uh, at least yeah. in our opinion, Barton, what's I've, your read on it or Tom? I was going to say, I feel like they got everything right as far as the total and the spread. But I will say, like, I I took the under in the column just simply based on almost the fact that I feel like the defenses are better than the offenses on both sides of the ball and the fact that the under has gone 5-2-1 and the last eight years between them. But there there is no side of the spread or side of the total that I'm completely in love with here. Yeah, I I think on first glance, uh, this seems like an obvious floor to play. But that feels like the wrong side. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Like, you know, looking at the line and just looking at Florida and how they've figured out a way to to win games and stay in games, and uh, it just seems like a team that not only could cover but can win. And yet, I think there's a reason that that line is at six and a half. When you do actually, you sort of have to remind yourself of, or I have to remind myself maybe of what I thought of Florida like maybe a month ago, what I thought of Georgia maybe a month ago. And when you look at the numbers, you know, offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, you know, there's Georgia still is to sort of by profile, the better team. It's just a matter of whether you sort of, you trust the numbers or trust your eyes. And I don't know. It just feels like this. I want to play Florida, but I think Georgia is the right play. So I'm so I'm not playing either. This is, I, I, this is a tough one for me. All right, I uh, I heard you try and take a step into the dam, and I I've got it on my card. I'm far more confident. So I'm gonna see if you're gonna join me, Barton. It's like you took you take a step into the dam, and you've like <laughs> you heard one twig break, and you got scared and you ran off. No, I think this thing is built with structural integrity. Don't let that snapping twig scare you off. We're taking Oregon State on the road plus five and a half against Arizona. This is prime Beeves spot. They got it moving in the right direction. Arizona's all over the place. This is a win that Oregon State can get, and this is a win that Oregon State might get. 
but it damn sure is going to be a cover that Jonathan Smith and the Beavers put on the board. So I am locking up Oregon State plus five and a half. Um, do it. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I agree. There we go. Uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at this week. You know, just, <laughs> that's just kind of one of those weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they Arizona just fired their defensive coordinator and their uh, linebackers coach. Yeah, and they are. And I, I think Oregon State is. I think Oregon State's a pretty pretty sound football team. As crazy as that sounds, uh, that I trust a little more than Arizona. So, yeah, this is a big Pac-12 week for me. I'll, I'll jump on board with you, Chip. Uh, Tom, I've got I've got one left. I had one left, but I just added a second. Okay, Barton, are you out? Uh, I sh- I should be out. I really should walk away from the table right now. Um, I am going to. We already talked about it. I'm just. I'm gonna just. Sort of, <laughs> I just kind of want to do this just to feel alive. I want to play Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see what it feels like. To be, uh, this is going to be a sweat. I have a feeling this is going to be a frustrating play. This is going to be one where I doubt it for for fifty five minutes of the game. But I I think I think this is a time where I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna go back to to that that belief in Scott Frost I had two years ago. There's a, just a glimmer of glimmer of hope left that it's real so let's let's stay alive here in nebraska all right minus three i I love it um tom uh we're going to the mac for this one uh we're taking the under 50 and a half in buffalo eastern michigan this is mostly a wonder play uh temperatures are going to be in the mid 30s winds between you know 11 and 13 miles an hour throughout kind of swirling a little bit moving in different directions so it's gonna be hard to get like a well we want the wind at our back situation because they're it's going to be hard to know which way it's going plus it's just some trends that help support it uh the under is 15 5 and 2 in eastern michigan's last 22 home games as well as 7 3 and 1 in eastern michigan's last 11 conference games so all of that plus the weather and the wind i, I like the under 50 and a half lock it up Love it. Um, all right. For my final play of the day. Close your eyes. Boy. Visualize this. You're in the carrier dome. The house is filled. The feeling is electric. The noise is deafening. You have a defense that is relentless. Well, wait. <laughs> you have a special teams has been well, well coached. You have an offense that will not huddle. And you have a game that's faster than you've ever seen on turf. Open your eyes. That's going to be a reality. That's going to be Syracuse football. Last chance. We got to lock it up. Syracuse minus two, right? Uh, yes. Let me look it up. Yeah. No, actually, it's it's down to minus three now. You can get it. All right. 
Let's go. Circle circling the wagons. Last shot at last shot at for Dino. Hey, I believe. Play that drop. I believe. <laughs> There's not. They're not gonna huddle. They're yeah. not gonna be a huddle on the field. <laughs> <laughs> Special teams are gonna be well coached. Special teams are well coached. Um. Yeah. So I'm I'm tapped out. Tom. I mean, you did just take a bottom twenty-five team, so I feel like. I need to follow that up with the bottom 25 game of the century of the week. Oh, danger zone for Bowling Green under. uh, I am taking Akron. Yeah. Plus six. Yes. Whoa. Bowling Green. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. I think that, you know, we, we look at the situation. I, I, Akron is the number one team in the bottom 25. I don't think it's that much worse than Bowling Green. I don't think it's nearly a touchdown worse than Bowling Green. And going on the road in a game that's going to be windy, we've got a low total. I don't expect there to be a ton of points. I could take the wonder here, but that's not as fun to me. I want Akron plus the six. Lock it up. Zips might get that first one of the year this week, boys. You just think the the moment might just be too big for Bowling Green, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. In the bottom 25 game of the century of the week. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they're made for this. Akron's <laughs> been here before. Akron has played in a bottom twenty-five game of the century of the week against UMass earlier this season. I think they're ready. Um, the is there a dentist play? Uh, there is a dentist play. Um, and I, I look. I talked to the dentist, uh, and I said, "Look, hey, dentist, you know you're, you know you're you're below five hundred. You're losing your mojo a little bit. The mystique of the dentist has fallen off. I need you to only come up with it when you got a a play you really believe in. And I could I couldn't even get the 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 sentence out before the dentist interrupted me with how much he's putting on this game. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay. So I guess you do believe in this in this line. The dentist uh, is loading up on Auburn. Uh, so, uh, and I, I actually was leaning Ole Miss here, but the dentist likes Auburn minus 18 and a half. Uh, heavy, heavy. <laughs> I'm just imagining <laughs> him looking around at everybody else in the office and being like, I know that the Sonicare X200 is expensive, <laughs> but after Auburn covers this weekend... We're going to be good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like this is, this is the, I mean, the dentist, the, the, the dentistry is really kind of a side gig for him. He's really about making money on the weekends. On Ole Miss games. On the right side of Ole Miss. Yeah. Right. Right. So. Uh, the dentist feels good about Auburn. Oh man, hell yes! All right, let's uh, let's review. Tom loaded card. Memphis minus five and a half. The lock unity of Oregon at USC under forty five and a half. Army Air Force Miami plus three against Florida State. NC State plus seven and a half against Wake Forest. Tennessee minus eleven and a half. Then a uh, trio of unders for you. You're looking for the under in Tulane, Tulsa. You're looking for the under in Purdue, Nebraska. And you're looking for the under in Buffalo, Eastern Michigan. And then Akron plus six in the bottom 25 game of the week of the century. Game oh. of the century of the week. Game of the century of the week. Always get the order of operations right. 
Uh, Barton, he's going to take Baylor on Halloween night. If you're listening to this right now, go ahead and get it in. Uh, Oregon minus four and a half. The over 64 and a half in Colorado, UCLA. Utah minus three and a half at Washington. Indiana minus 11 against Northwestern. He is also on Tennessee minus 11 and a half against UAB. Oregon State plus five and a half at Arizona. And then Nebraska minus three against Purdue. Chip is going to take the under 58 in Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. Uh, Oregon minus four and a half. The under 45 and a half in Army Air Force. Kansas plus six at home against Kansas State. NC State plus seven and a half on the road against Wake Forest. Under 51 in Vanderbilt, South Carolina. Oregon State plus five and a half at uh, Oregon State plus five and a half at Arizona. And then um, open your eyes. It's uh, it's Syracuse minus three at home against Boston College. The dentist coming in at Auburn minus 18 and a half. Any, uh, any final thoughts or final words? We well, need we the money line sprinkles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we've, we know uh, one money line sprinkle, right? Yes. Okay. So, Barton, what is your money line sprinkle? Uh, so, I toyed with Arkansas plus 218. Um. But I think I'm going to go I'm, – I'm actually going to go – look, I, we talked about this game. I'm going to pick Florida on the money line. I think it's this is either a Georgia cover or a Florida win. Um, I think I, I, I'm going to trust my eyes a little bit and, uh, and go with Florida. I'm going to take the Kansas Jayhawks as, uh, as my money line sprinkle. What, what's my price at right now? Uh, you can get it at, let's see, let's see, let's shop around here. Where are you at? Where are you at? I can't find you now. There you are. Uh, you can get it as high as plus 205 at Circa. Oh, and this isn't a money line sprinkle because the premise of the money line sprinkle is to get some plus value on that. But uh, if if you want to take the, uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels and a little money line parlay, they are a short favorite right now. Maybe a little two-teamer money line parlay. Maybe a little Georgia UNC something like that. I don't hate that, but I, that team has played some bananas games this year. I, I don't think that I can lock up North Carolina given the way that they've played for the rest of the season. But I do think they win that game. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna add one to my card too because I was I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and play Arkansas plus seven and a half. I thought about playing them to win. Uh, but I want to at least get a little scratch on Arkansas, so give give me them to just cover. Arkansas. Chad, Chad guaranteed the win. He did. <laughs> and as I've talked about before, if you guarantee a win and you don't cover, you should be fired on the spot. Tarmac. That's fair. Very fair. He is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Remember, the mailbag is open. You can submit your question for the mailbag. You go to the Cover 3 podcast page. You leave a five-star review. Include your question in there. It'll get thrown into the mailbag, and then we will provide answers for it on a mailbag Monday. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Sir.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.